0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. And you can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend about Locked On NFL and let your friends also know that they've got A podcast covering their favorite NFL team, Major League Baseball team, NBA, NHL, college. We've got you covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is a Twitter Thursday. We're going to get into some of your tweets and some of your questions about a number of topics around the NFL. But first, Matt, we've got to start with the big news that came down just after we stopped recording yesterday. And that is that Eli Manning is hanging him up. He's done after 16 seasons in the NFL.
1: Yeah, that makes me happy. Um, I think it should have probably happened before this, to be very honest with you. Um, I, I'm often considered a Eli basher, or hater, or whatever, because, I mean, you can't either love someone or hate someone in today's world. And I think he's been a, a great player, a really good player. I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I think if he had played for the Cardinals or Chiefs or somewhere outside of New York, there, or his last name was Williamson or Peacock. I'm not sure that he would have gotten the same attention. Well, I know he wouldn't have. I do give him credit for the Super Bowl runs, but and I'm not a big quarterback you know win loss stat guy. But if you're going to talk about quarterback wins in a positive light for him with Super Bowls, I think you have to mention. I mean, he's basically a 500 quarterback as a starter. It's not so great, you know. I mean, has he elevated those around him? to a a very high degree. I mean, he had good defenses when the teams were good, but again, I mean, he's, was he ever the best quarterback in the league? I think that's an easy no, but I think consistently in his prime, he was a top 10 guy and there's something to be said for that. And he's been a rock for the giants for a lot of years. So I don't mean to bash him. I, I wrote a little blurb about him the other day saying, I think an underrated aspect of what Eli brought was toughness. I mean, you don't have, that consecutive game streak without a lot of physical toughness and preparation but there's also a lot of me- you know mental toughness too to considering you end up as Archie's kid and Peyton's younger brother growing up in New Orleans and then you go and tell the Chargers I'm not playing for you you know and you go to the biggest media market in the world And you're totally under uh, scrutinized for better or worse, and you handled it, you know, like uh, water off a duck's back.
0: Yeah, the mental toughness is key, and the way he won his two Super Bowls, I think, is good. I mean, the two rings, I think, is going to get him in. We we've talked Mm -hmm. about this, I think, before about where he's a fringe Hall of Famer, and I think both of us would say, eh, fringe Hall of Famer to me is not a Hall of Famer. Right, right. I think there's a ninety nine point nine percent chance he does get in the Hall of Fame because he played so long, because he's got the Manning name, and because he won those two Super Bowl rings and was able to knock off the Patriots and was in the New York market. All those things really play into uh, into Eli Man's, Manning's favor to put him from the Hall of Very Good to the Hall of Fame class of one of these years in the in the not-so-distant future.
1: I'd be shocked if he doesn't get in. I mean, I, I I certainly will concede that I think he will end up in Canton um, he wouldn't get my vote. Is all I'm saying. But I right. did say a lot of nice things about him too. Oh no, yeah,
0: and <laughs> I, that didn't sound like you were bashing Eli Manning at all. And some people who love Eli Manning and would would die for him and uh, would would be upset with what you're saying. But I think that's common sense. Eli Manning was a, a really good quarterback, top ten for a long time, and that's uh, a rare rare thing. Mm-hmm. Is it a Hall of Famer? And I think we're gonna we're gonna be tested with this group of quarterbacks that are going to be retiring over the next few years and then being up for the hall in the next five to 10 years, how these guys get treated and how history treats them, how they get voted in. And I have a feeling that almost all of these guys are going to get in. And we're going to have this crazy large class of quarterbacks from this era that are hall of famers. And then obviously on the field, there is a new younger class of quarterbacks who takes that mantle and that begs the question, how do you feel about the New York Giants going forward? They've got their new head coach now, their new offensive coordinator, Gettleman, staying on, and they've got their young quarterback in Daniel Jones.
1: Yeah, it's obviously a new era. Um, I I expect the offense to be pretty good. You know, we, we talked about the addition of Jason Garrett. Uh, Barkley's in place. It'd be nice to have a healthy Ingram-Shepard-Barkley combination for the majority of the season. Clayton came on. I think that they will certainly add a tackle if not with their early pick in addition to free agency they may add two offensive linemen so I think the pieces will be in place for Jones to succeed I like him more than I did coming out of school and I still have some doubts if he's going to be a hit or not but I think it sets up pretty well next year just to really make a a pretty strong evaluation of Jones
0: where do you feel The New York Giants should go in the draft, and it is Senior Bowl week, and we've got to get involved with a little bit more draft conversation tomorrow. I think we will dive heavily deeper into that. We're trying to figure out who our guest might be, trying to bring on one of the folks from the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NFL Draft, or the Draft Dudes Podcast. We've got you covered on the NFL Draft here on the network as well, and our partners at thedraftnetwork.com. The New York Giants, they're picking fourth in the draft. I see wide receiver going to them a lot, but I have a feeling David Gettleman's not the draft wide receiver in the top five type of GM. Maybe going into the defensive secondary at cornerback, maybe linebacker Isaiah Simmons could be in the conversation, defensive line, pass rusher. It seems like uh, offensive line, offensive tackle could be a huge need there for the New York Giants. It seems like going big is more likely the way that Dave Gettleman would attack this thing. How do you feel about the Giants at number four overall?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I just wrote an article based off a quote from Judge's press conference saying, basically saying, we're not going to pigeonhole players. We just want to see athleticism. It was a very Patriots way of diagnosing personnel. And maybe I'm looking too much into it. And I urge everyone to check out that article. It's it's on my timeline at Williamson NFL. It's a short, easy read. Um, But it made me think that Gettleman might not have complete control as he did and he Gettleman fit the Giants mold and really through our lifetime they've been one of the more predictable scouting staffs out there it's all about size and speed with the Giants they had you mentioned Simmons great player they haven't drafted a linebacker in first round since Carl Banks you know like uh, they are very set in the way their ways in the way that they attack and it's often through big people like you mentioned so Gettleman fit in well So I'm wondering if it's going to be more Patriot-esque in terms of team building. My hunch is it will be, um, but predicting that pick, I would would bet that they take their pick, the first tackle off the board, whoever it is they like the most at that tackle spot.
0: That's going to be an interesting one because I was trying to put together a mock draft and I put a little mock top five together. Maybe we can talk about that tomorrow. And, It was difficult when I got to four with the New York Giants because I wanted to go tackle, but I thought there were better prospects elsewhere. And I think that's going to be a common topic as we get close to the draft. And we've got senior bowl week to cover here. So a lot more draft talk to come all off season long, all the way through April. But we've got to get to those tweets, Matt.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I have one for you to lead it off.
0: Oh, well, let's do that next. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all of your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? My bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to one thousand dollars. That means if you deposit two thousand, you get an extra one thousand dollars in free money to play with. Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On. One word: Locked On to take advantage of my bookie's generous. Sign up, offer, visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
1: This is from Williamson NFL and needs some Niner expertise because I am currently writing an article, who are the top 10 defensive players in the Super Bowl? So I have my list in front of me. I only have three Chiefs on the list. That's Jones, Clark, and the Honey Badger. So not surprisingly, a lot of Niners, and I'm just curious. I also have a couple that that didn't make the cut list. Do you approve of my list? I'm going to give it to you if you're ready for it.
0: Yes, I'm ready. Hit me.
1: Okay. I went Sherman, then Bosa, then Buckner, and that wasn't easy for me, to be very honest. Then I went Warner, then I went Ford, then I went Armstead, Alexander, and... The Niners that didn't make the cut were Tart, Jimmy Ward, and K-1 Williams. Do you need that it again? Is,
0: no, I, I, was just, I was just writing it down, okay. so that way I had it to okay. look at. Okay. So we've got Sherm, Bosa, Buckner, Warner, Ford, Armstead, Alexander, and that was the final seven for your top yes. ten, correct?
1: Right. They and, were not in that order. That was the order, but there were some Chiefs sprinkled in there. Okay. I had Jones at one. I had Clark at five. I had the honey badger at eight. Okay, cool. So you have, and then three dudes that didn't make the cut Do any of them belong in the top 10. Am I too light on any of these guys? It wasn't easy. I mean, I think that list is very debatable,
0: right? It's debatable. And I think it, it proves the, the strength of that 49ers team and how many good defenders they have. And, Kwan Williams has been one of the better slot defenders in the NFL this year, but you put yeah. a nickel guy in your top 10? It's really hard to do that. So I could see why Kwan Williams would be out. The safeties have played so great. Uh, Jimmy Ward finally getting a chance to be in the same position in the same scheme for two straight years, which he hadn't gotten a chance to do yet in his career. Cause he'd bounced around from outside corner, slot corner safety and back again in different schemes. Now, uh, and healthy for a full season, which was key. So Jimmy Ward, you're seeing that speed and that ability and that single high safety in this Cover 3 scheme. He's been fantastic. And Jaquoski, Looks like a t- first-round pick. Exactly. The the yeah, first-round yeah. pick that he was, you're finally seeing there. Similar with Eric Armstead, getting over that injury bug and, and breaking out and actually uh, maybe getting a little half-step closer to the quarterback and collecting those sacks instead of being just a pressure guy. He's actually getting to the quarterback, and he's been massively impactful. So Armstead definitely has to be in there. Uh, Jaquaski tart I might even put... Ward or Tart in front of Alexander?
1: Would you? That was tough and for me.
0: Alexander is really good, really fast, and I think his energy is really is important for the 49ers right now. And it it's nice to have him back and on the field because he brings so much energy. But he does miss some tackles, and those guys are so good in coverage, Tart and Ward, and they both come up and thump you too. And Tart's ability to uh, support the run, and has range to even play single high safety if you want him to at his size. The 49ers really missed him when he was out, and I think that was one of the keys. All the injuries the 49ers have had this year, Joe Staley and uh, and D and Ford and, and player and, and uh, Alexander too, and then the players coming in to replace him, I think the biggest one they missed when Ta- was when Tart was out. It was really hard to replace what he can do in that defense. So I would probably... Take either Tart or Ward, those guys are really close and put them in over Alexander, but that's about all I would quibble with. And uh I think the list is pretty good and I think the order is pretty good as well.
1: Yeah, I mean I think Ford and Armstead are definitely in, right?
0: Yes, they're they're too impactful. Right. And Ford yes. because of his leg injuries has been more of a third down only guy. So you could put Armstead in front of Ward because Armstead's so good uh against the run and then kicking inside and rushing the passer as well. But Ford, even as just a third down player is so impactful and opens things up for everybody else when he's on the field the 49ers pass rush is infinitely better so Ford still has to be on that list even though he's been mostly a part-time player this year he's so impactful and he still uh, gets after the quarterback which is the most important thing right now you can do on defense in the NFL
1: yeah that's a great point and I think they're very happy that they did make the deal for him it wasn't a cheap move in terms of draft capital as well as paying him, but I think he's worth every penny. He's a little different to me than the rest of their great defensive linemen. He's a little more finesse speed, which is nice. You know, you've put out a variety of guys and you can move them around. Um, And it dawned on me when when we mentioned Jimmy Ward, you know, Lynch won GM of the year. And and I, and frankly, that's as much a Shanahan award as Lynch. I mean, Shanahan's the, the biggest stick in the room. I mean, he's the one that's, uh, the the number one dog in the whole organization, mm-hmm. but I think it's really noteworthy that Armstead, Ward, some of these early picks from before the Lynch Shanahan regime have really stepped up with this coaching staff too. I mean, yeah, that might have been considered disappointments,
0: right? Absolutely, these guys were major disappointments, and a lot of fans were ready to move on from Armstead and Jimmy Ward. And Jimmy Ward was re-signed to a one year contract and was expected to be the starter, and and me included, where I was thinking, man, you. You can't count on this player to be healthy all year and and be a starting role for your football team. And uh, Armstead and Ward have proven to be healthy all year and have been monsters. So it's, it's a good year for Trent Bulky. guys like Carlos Hyde having a nice little season yeah. and and even Chip Kelly being in San Francisco for one year. If it's not for Chip Kelly, the 49ers might not have Raheem Mostert on the roster right now yeah. because he's the okay. one that signed him as an undrafted free agent and then brought him back. Uh, That was in Philly and then brought him back to the 49ers roster in 2016. So Chip Kelly is a big reason Mostert's around, and that was a Trent Baalke-era dude. So, yeah, the the coaching staff is getting the most out of not only their own players, but even recovering some guys that looked like they were really disappointing previously. You can see what good coaching can do for a football team.
1: Yeah, it's huge, and it really does show you you inherit some guys. You might not have been the one. You might not have picked them, but... You inherit them. You get the best out of them. It's it's so different for me because my favorite team, well, Tomlin and Colbert drafted them. I mean, there's no former regime. You know, nothing ever changes.
0: I want to go do a tweet from the electrifying phenom. He says, "What needs to change with my Texans in order to be considered a serious championship contender?"
1: That's a tough one. Yeah, I love Watson, and half of me thinks O'Brien holds him back and Texan fans blame O'Brien for everything that goes wrong. And I tend to defend him more than I back him. But a lot of the reasons I defend O'Brien are how about all those years when he went eight and eight, nine and seven, often got into the playoffs pre-Watson. I mean, they had Matt Schaub and Fitzpatrick and nothing at quarterback before Watson. And he consistently won eight or nine games, but I also wonder, is he a coach that only wins eight or nine games? <laughs> you know, I mean, I know he's won more than that lately, but has he hit his head on the ceiling of, okay, win the division get beaten the first round, give or take, and that's who he is as a coach, which isn't bad. You know, another team would kill him. I mean, the Bengals would love to hear that the Lions fans are like, boy, that's a, that's not so bad. But I look at Watson and think, Man, if we're having that draft where you can pick anyone to build your team around, of course Mahomes is first, but Watson's a top three or four pick for me. Is he being held back? Uh, I don't know that answer. I think their roster has holes, though. I mean, their defense was exposed. I think their secondary isn't great. I think the offensive line is better, but not great. And now they don't have the draft picks, So they're a little too top-heavy for me in terms of team building.
0: Yep, yeah, I totally agree. That was the first place my mind went to was Bill O'Brien. We had talked about the, the Titans and just looking in your own division, uh, the Colts and the Titans, and I think I would rather have Vrabel at head coach and I'd rather have John Robinson at GM than Bill O'Brien, who wears both of those hats right now in Houston. And O'Brien obviously won a power struggle there, so he— it's really difficult because now it's just his show and it's his yeah. vision and they they got bounced again. And we saw how good Deshaun Watson was single-handedly just about going out and, and winning that game at the end against the Bills before they were knocked off by the Chiefs. There, there's a lot of needs and not a lot of draft resources to go attack those needs. So I'd be really worried about Bill O'Brien, the GM, even before Bill O'Brien, the head coach, because now there's nobody to fire Bill O'Brien, the head coach. So um, yeah. that's, a, that's a tough situation for them to be in. And then you look at the Indianapolis Colts. I would take that head coach and that GM over Bill O'Brien that is mm-hmm. wearing both of those hats. So it gets very difficult because do is Deshaun Watson – good enough is is he being held back is maybe Deshaun Watson not as good as we all think he is because I'm right there with you on Deshaun Watson and I mean there's
1: inconsistencies to him but I mm -hmm. still think he's a stud
0: right so yeah I guess the answer the short answer is I think Bill O'Brien and when when can they and when would they make that change and how many years of you know being that team that maybe gets into the playoffs maybe is seven and nine maybe is nine and seven maybe gets bounced early how many more years of that before you decide that you need a change at the top and then now you have to pay a bunch of money to Deshaun Watson and keep him around and it gets a lot more difficult so I think that should have happened already in my opinion
1: yeah I agree with you the coach GM combination in Tennessee and Indianapolis is superior I also think GM O'Brien might have saved head coach O'Brien's job you know let's go right. Live for today and get Tunsil and all these dudes and try to make a run, and they won the division. Um, but close your eyes and envision a world where the Colts or Tennessee had Watson instead of Houston. You know, if you did a quarterback swap, and I like Tannehill and I like Brissett, but if you traded Brissett for Watson or Tannehill for Watson, it'd be pretty clear who the biggest dog in the division is by far.
0: Oh, no doubt, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a great point. I want to go to R.J. Hollywood. Who asked the question, where do Andy Dalton and Cam Newton end up in 2020?
1: We're going to talk about this a ton. And I don't have a good feel for any of it. I mean, that includes Rivers. Kind of includes Brady. I think Dalton will get traded. But we've mentioned this on the air many times. That, frankly, the Bengals are the hardest team in the league to trade with. Because they just overvalue their guys. You know, like. From the Bears, and I call about Dalton. Yeah, sure, give us two first round picks. Well, well no, you know, <laughs> you know, like, and I think he could be a very valuable bridge guy in a lot of places. Cam is all about the injuries and the scheme fit. I don't know. I mean, it, it just as equally difficult conversation is who's the Panthers' quarterback in 2020. I, I don't know where I don't have a good feeling about this quarterback carousel. But if anyone wants to throw out team fits for any of these guys or coaching fits to match with quarterbacks i'm all ears
0: yeah there's going to be a lot of movement there and a couple of dominoes need to start falling first and then everything else can start to go into place and maybe tom brady is that first one or maybe philip rivers is that first mm-hmm. one and once there's a job open then there can be some movement now there's a new job open and we'll see how these teams attack that but the quarterback carousel in 2020 will be probably one of the biggest storylines once the super Bowl's over
1: yeah, a couple days ago, we mentioned, you know, Rivers moved to Florida. And if he does, in fact, sign with the Bucks, I mean, what a ripple effect that's going to have. Because oh. Jameis is going to go somewhere then, and then another domino, another domino. It'll yep. be fun, but I don't know how it ends up. I'm sorry, I'm not a good answer to the question.
0: <laughs> All right, we got more tweets to get to coming up. Me, me double E on Twitter. He says, well, let's continue the quarterback conversation really quick here because you had talked about, hey, what about if Rivers goes to Tampa, what about Tom Brady in L.A. with the Chargers, which is super interesting. Uh, Me says, which I believe is short for Emilio, why would any established quarterback want to go to the Chargers when they have such a bad offensive line?
1: I hear you. I mean, if you're Brady and maybe Giselle wants to go to L.A., I don't know. I mean, I'm just pulling that out of left field. Right. I would sure like to throw in and hand the ball to the Chargers' weapons. I mean, that would be an unbelievable upgrade over what we've played with lately in New England. But I would have to, if I'm going to sign that contract, I need to guarantee from the owner that you're adding two offensive linemen, you know, a, a first round pick and a free agent. I mean, they've neglected that position way too long. And back to the Eli conversation. There's a reason Eli didn't want to play there. And, you know, because it was not a strong organization. And I'm not sure it's much better. You know, they still have stupid contract, you know, battles with Bosa and guys like that. Like uh, Brady knows these things. I mean, you go from maybe the best organization in the league to a bottom tier one. I don't know that that ends up so great.
0: I still like the Bears for Tom Brady.
1: That's my favorite
0: one. Let's I go
1: to- they have been good with him. I mean, the problem with bringing Brady, like if you bring Brady to the Bears, he's not going to learn their playbook. You know, he's going to bring the McDaniel's phone yeah. book playbook <laughs> with him. Cuz otherwise, he's not good. I mean, he's not great. You know, he's not he needs to make all the checks and things, and that means 10 other dudes on the field need to learn that playbook too. I mean, that's a problem like when when young receivers go to the Patriots they Don't dummy it down for them. You got to learn the, the phone book, play. you got to learn Chinese. And well, I can't learn Chinese overnight, Tom. I'm sorry,
0: right? And that's one of the biggest problems of moving from you know what the Earhart Perkins system is, what Brady's been playing in for forever now. And you go to and a, they West- had a new chapter every year, right? And now you go to <laughs> a West Coast offense terminology, which You know, if you ask anybody around the league, it's always one of the most difficult things for players to get and all the terminology that goes with the West Coast offense playbook and how long those play calls are. So that is a difficult one. And how do you find a team that... Unless they're coached by Josh McDaniels and he didn't get a head coaching gig. So that makes the move for Tom Brady much more difficult if he did want to try to play somewhere else. But, yeah, I think for for Tom Brady, it might just be fun for him to be like, look, I get to be a free agent. Let's go have some dinner with some folks and then I'll just stay in, in New England. And after everyone gets all riled up about it,
1: I tend to think that's what's going to happen. Give it one more run.
0: John's got a question I think you could help answer He says, why is the national media so anti Big Ben and the Steelers? I don't know if they're anti-Steelers. They tried to pin this whole AB thing on his leadership and Tomlin's bad coaching, and it's clear it was 99% AB being a nut. Um, This is obviously a Steelers fan that doesn't like his organization that he's a fan of being bad-mouthed. I don't think from my perception that there's any anti-Steelers bias out there in the media. I know it can feel that way when you're a team sometimes, but... Now we know a lot more about Antonio Brown than we did a couple of years ago, or even last year at this time when Brown was leaving the Steelers organization. AB's got some serious problems, and now he's got an an arrest warrant out.
1: Yeah, he's the lunatic. I mean, looking back on it, I think you should praise Tomlin for, look how much production he got out of that crazy person, You know, as opposed to, boy, they only got a third-round pick for the guy. I mean, they're lucky they got a bag of footballs for him. I mean, he's never going to play football again. And maybe he's gone off the deep end since. But I think that, that this question would apply more a year ago than this past year, you know, where uh, there was a lot of, I think the national media thought there was a lot of dysfunction for a super stable organization. AB's on Facebook Live, Lev Bell's holding out. There's always drama with this team. Ben's not a great leader. He's not as dedicated as Tom Brady. And I think there was some truth to that but if that would have been most other teams, I don't think it would have been as noteworthy because they are so old school, you know, that I can't believe it's the Steelers that are doing these things, but it wasn't like it was the the whole place, the, the inmates were running the asylum or anything. And then this past year they really made a dedication to, bringing in very upstanding leadership type dudes, you know, the TJ Watts of the world and Minka's and those type of guys. So I think that perception has changed drastically over the last 365 days or so.
0: There's a couple more questions here. I want to get to go. Pats wants to know about the Twitter feud between Richard Sherman and Daryl Rivas, Rivas talking about the superiority of a man man cover cornerback over the zone cover three type of corners like Sherman is who don't travel around with the best receivers in formations and Sherman or and Revis being that old school lockdown guy we don't see a lot of that anymore he says as an aside I'd say Revis in his prime early Jets days was the best cornerback since Deion Sanders. I don't disagree there. And I get what Revis is saying. That's a harder job than what Sherman is asked to do a lot. But Sherman can only do the job he's asked to do. And I think it's a perfect fit. And you're a bad coach if you're putting your players in a bad position. So in a way, they're both right.
1: They're both right. Yeah, they absolutely are. I think Revis is the superior player. I don't understand why he would start the stupid Twitter battle or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Your time came and went. Be, Be done with it. And he was more of an island man-to-man guy. But I also think there's a misconception that Sherman just sits back and cover three all day long and plays the ball. I mean, he can come down and press corners or press receivers even at this age as well as just about anyone in the league. He's found a great fit with the scheme that he knew coming out of college and has thrived in it and has been a Hall of Fame-level corner every step of the way, including this year at Advanced Age. So I don't detract from Sherman at all for that. I do think – I agree that Rivas' job is harder, especially if you're always following a one. I mean, if you're following Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin, like Eon used to, of course that's a very difficult chore. But I think there's a misconception that Sherman just plays zone and that's easy. Well, it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and zone is just man in a defined area. And Sherman is
1: one of the smartest. Man.
0: Yeah, I've been so impressed with Sherman. I already knew he's a great corner playing in Seattle, seeing him up close every week. I've been so impressed with how smart he is running routes for receivers. He knows the combinations better than the receivers do a lot of times for opposing offenses. And he's got ball skills. He's got that mental toughness we had talked about earlier, which is so important for players at pretty much any position around the league, especially if you're going up against the athletes that cornerbacks are. And Sherman, in this whole conversation, had a pretty good point that he's playing at a better level right now in his ninth year than than Revis did. Revis's peak was better, but Revis was pretty much done at this point because you can't be that super athlete and, and shut down, lockdown corner that travels for 10 years in the NFL. It's just not possible. So maybe Revis is a little bit jealous he didn't have a scheme to help him out when he was older like Sherman does.
1: Maybe. And he bounced around the league on one-year deals and the end of his career wasn't so glorious. Um, we got to get rolling here. But my last co- thing that you mentioned, I just want to throw out there that these two really have in common is neither one ran a four or three, you know, I mean, or, or certainly did this stage of their career, but they're both very, very smart and students of the game students of their opposition because Sherman has been somewhat of a loudmouth, I mean, don't forget this was a Stanford guy who's incredibly smart. Yeah. And I've been around the and I know people that have been around him at the NFL level. He was a very much a student of whoever that receiver he was going to follow all, all day. He knew exactly the intricacies of the, that player.
0: Let's close on this. A one-word or one-sentence answer, Matt, if you have it. This is from Tom. Is the AFC West going to be the new AFC East for the next decade plus? Obviously talking about... Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl 54 representative for the AFC. Are they just going to dominate for the next decade in the in the AFC West?
1: Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. Mahomes plus Reed equals yes.
0: I, I have to agree there. That's going to be a tough yeah. one. And yeah, so if you that's another reason you don't go sign with the team in the AFC West. If you're one of those quarterbacks, maybe stay away from that one and go make your life a little bit easier. If you're someone like Tom Brady in another division.
1: Yeah, right. I think that's a pretty easy answer. I mean, who knows? But it sure feels like that.
0: All right, be back tomorrow talking Senior Bowl, talking Super Bowl right here, Locked on the NFL.